I'd like to point you to Ephesians chapter 4. I will not keep you long here this evening, but I do believe that I have a word for the body of Christ tonight. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 1. When you have it, say amen. Amen. The word of the Lord says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, where with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, everybody said one body, and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now skipping to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. One final verse, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And I'd like to focus on that phrase there at the beginning of verse 16, fitly joined together. Amen. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to deliver a word to you tonight entitled fitly joined together. Amen. Could we lift our hands to heaven, ask the Lord to be here with us tonight. Precious Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that's already so rich in this place. We thank you for meeting us here in your house, Lord. We have come to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to lift up the name of Jesus in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are. Lord, we ask that you would have your perfect will in this place. Have your perfect way. Let your perfect will be manifest in your house tonight, Lord. Lord, I am but a vessel, Lord. Speak to your people, I pray. Speak to their hearts. Lord, let this go deep down into the very being of who we are. Lord, let us grow into the people and to the children of God that we need to be. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Be with us tonight. And everybody said, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. Our musicians can go down this evening. <clears throat> it, it is no secret 
to any of us here tonight that the world in which we live in is a very, very divided one. It's not something new. It's not something that has just recently developed. No, not, not at all. It's been this way since nearly the very beginning of time. All throughout history, we see the reoccurring theme of nation rising against nation. We see the recurring theme of leaders rising against other leaders. We see people rising against other people. And we see cultures rising against other cultures. And under the guise of so-called holy wars, we've even seen religion rise against religion. We've seen this all throughout history, and, and we're still seeing it happen in the world today. Now, we've been blessed in America. I'm thankful for the country in which we live. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have and that we possess. We've been blessed in America to have at least had some, some semblance of, of unity throughout our years of existence even our Pledge of Allegiance obtains the phrase, One nation under God, indivisible. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that our country was built on, on things of that nature. But let me tell you that when they took prayer out of schools, and when they began to downplay the importance of God in the home and in the family, and when they began to dismantle the very foundations of marriage and family, and when they began to eliminate every possible reference to God that they possibly could, when we cease to be one nation under God, we at that moment as a nation became divisible. And now, even in America, the country we know and love, we have steep division amongst its people. Division has sadly gripped this country. Division that has been sparked by race. Division that has been sparked by wealth or, or lack thereof. Different classes within society. Division that has been caused by even political affiliation. Everywhere we look, we see division, 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 and, and boundaries and walls that cultures and people have put out up to keep others out. It's almost as if each day there's a new reason to be divided. A new reason to ignore the great commandment. A new excuse to not love our neighbors as ourselves. With every passing moment, it seems that there's a new group of people rising up and proclaiming their dislike and their distrust for another group of people. And, and, and each one of these groups will point at the other and say, you are the enemy. You are the problem. You are the reason that we're in this mess. Some will say that the wealthy and the elite are the problem. Some will point their fingers and say that the opposing political party is the problem and and every different division and group of people has a finger pointed at who they think is their enemy and and from their perspective that that person or that group may appear to be their enemy but behind the scenes, there is an evil puppet master, and he's pulling and he's twisting on the strings of society, pulling and tugging on the emotions and the feelings and the ego of mankind, pitting people against 
people, pitting brother against brother, even, I hate to say it, pitting believer against believer. And this steep division that I'm talking about, this steep division between nations and peoples, is how many of our wars have started. In 1914, all the way back over 100 years ago, a war broke out and went on to be known as World War One. It was said that this war would be the war to end all wars. Of course, it did just the opposite. It was the war that changed the way that wars were fought. It brought it to a global scale. It escalated things, if you will. The tactics of war changed. The weapons changed. Tanks were introduced. Chemical warfare was developed and used on the battlefield. Airplanes were They had just recently been invented, but they were already being equipped with machine guns. And and this war was absolutely devastating on all fronts. And it had a worldwide effect. Now, I, I consider myself to be somewhat of a history buff. I love all things history. It's what most of my reading material outside of the Word of God uh, can be found in. And while reading an assortment of historical articles that I had come across, I came across this report from World War I, and I found it fascinating, and I'd, I'd like to share it with you this evening. During the winter... Of 1917, during the time of World War I, Russian and German soldiers fighting in the dreary trenches of the Great War's eastern front had a lot to fear. Enemy bullets, trench foot, frostbite, countless diseases, shrapnel, bayonets, tanks, sniper fire, oh, and wolves. In February of that year, a dispatch from Berlin noted that large packs of wolves were creeping from the forests of Lithuania and into the interior of the German Empire, not far from the front lines. Like so many living creatures, the animals had been driven from their homes by the war and were now simply looking for something to eat. As the beasts were very hungry, they would penetrate into the villages and they would kill calves, sheep, goats, and other livestock. It was then reported that in two cases, even children were attacked by these wolves. According to another dispatch out of St. Petersburg, the wolves were such a nuisance on the battlefield that they were one of the few things that could bring soldiers from both sides together. Parties of Russian and German scouts met recently and were Holtly engaged in a skirmish when a large pack of wolves dashed on the scene and began to attack the wounded. The report says, according to the Oklahoma City Times, that hostilities were at once suspended and Germans and Russians instinctively attacked the pack of wolves, killing about 50. It was an unspoken agreement among the snipers that if the Russians and Germans decided to engage in a collective wolf hunt, that all firing would cease. Listen to this July 1917 New York Times report describing how soldiers in the Kovno-Wilna-Minsk district decided to cease hostilities to fight this furry common enemy. Poison, rifle fire, hand grenades, and even machine guns were successfully tried in attempts to eradicate this nuisance, but all to no avail. 
The wolves, nowhere to be found quite so large and powerful as in Russia, were desperate in their hunger. And regardless of danger, fresh packs would appear in place of those that were killed by the Russian and German troops. As a last resort, the two adversaries, with the consent of their commanders, entered into negotiations for an agreed time of peace and joined forces to overcome the wolf plague. For a short time there was peace, and in no haphazard fashion was the task of vanquishing the mutual foe undertaken. The wolves were gradually rounded up, and eventually several hundred of them were killed. The others fled in all directions, making their escape from carnage, the like of which they had never encountered. Afterward, the soldiers presumably returned to their post and resumed pointing their rifles at a more violent and dangerous enemy, each other. I, I ran across that article some time ago, and, and I found it fascinating. And even though it's been some time since I found it, every time that I read it, I'm amazed at the spiritual parallels that lie within this true historical account. I was born and raised, just like many of you in the church, and for as long as I can remember, I have seen division amongst God's people. Division and, and disagreement is something that unfortunately comes all too natural to human beings. Division in the church can be caused by any of number of things. It could be disagreement. It could be difference in opinion. It could be a, a mere difference in culture, a difference in perspective or mindset or way of seeing things. Division can be caused by any given number of things, and it is successful because it does not come natural for people to be unified. So even the smallest, most insignificant things can spark division within a group of people. And while I'm not sure that there's much that can be done to solve the division that we see in the world that we live in, for I firmly believe it is a result of the last days and a sign of the times to come. I do, however, believe that there is a solution. There is something that can be done about the division that seems to creep its way into our churches. There is one thing that could eradicate this spirit of division that I'm talking about this evening. And it's a good old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it washes away the carnal mind that causes division in the first place. And it, it softens and renews the hardened hearts of, of men and women who have been through trial after trial. And it heals wounds that have festered and been infected and caused bitterness over time. What the church needs today more than anything is an out pouring of his spirit like we have never seen before. If we don't stay full of his spirit, we will instinctively become full of ourselves. You can have the best fellowship, the best social events, the best get-togethers. You can have small groups. You can preach unity till you're blue in the face. But if the church is not full of his 
spirit, then it is all for naught. Because it's the Holy Ghost that binds us together. It's the Holy Ghost that links us one to another. And when we step out of that carnal mind, and when we step in and begin to operate in the spirit, we find a holy common ground with our brothers and with our sisters. It's the Holy Ghost that fitly joins together the body of Christ. It's the Holy Ghost. In the physical body, we have joints, we have tendons, we have ligaments, we have cartilage. And, and these are the things that, that they hold the body together. If you've ever torn any of your ligaments or your tendons, then you know what I'm talking about. Things don't operate the way they're supposed to. There's immense pain and the body is in a sense handicapped because something isn't working the way that it's supposed to be working and something just isn't jointed the way that it's supposed to be jointed and, and something's just not functioning the way that it's supposed to function. These, these tendons and ligaments, these are the things that literally hold and bind our physical bodies together. They make the body able to function, to move and to perform the way that it was meant to perform but in the body of Christ we have the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is what links us together. It's what keeps the church moving in a synchronized fashion. It's what holds us one to another and keeps us functioning as one body. One body. Show me people that are causing division amongst God's people. And I'll show you people that aren't full of the Holy Ghost. It, you cannot be a sower of discord while walking in the Spirit. You cannot be full of the Holy Ghost and be divisive at the same time. It is completely impossible. What we need today more than anything is an upper room day of Pentecost type of experience. We need an outpouring of His Spirit. Amen. We need an outpouring of his spirit. I've heard people say things like, well, I got the Holy Ghost 20 years ago, bless God. That's like saying you put gas in your tank 20 years ago. I'm sorry, but a one-time experience with God just isn't going to cut it in this thing. Being filled with the Holy Ghost one time just isn't going to cut it in this thing. Every day we need a fresh touch from Him. Every day we need a fresh infilling. Every day we need a fresh touch. This is why Paul so famously declared, I die daily, not annually, not monthly, not weekly, not on Wednesdays, not on Sundays, not just during revival services, not just when your favorite evangelist comes to town. No, no, no. We must die daily. It has to happen daily we must die out to the flesh so that we can walk and that we can move and that we can breathe and we can operate in the spirit this is the only way that it works 
church needs a fresh, fresh touch from the Lord. Division, division in the church is sadly nothing, nothing new. It's been happening since the foundation of the church. Paul writes to to the Corinthians, and, and in his writing, he confronts three specific attitudes or spirits that are causing division amongst them. Number one is jealousy. Did you know that it's entirely possible for someone to dislike you solely based on the fact that they have become jealous of what God has blessed you with? It is entirely possible. Some people will dislike you simply because they want what you have. They will dislike you based on what you look like, what clothes you wear, what kind of car you drive, the home that you live in, anything that you possess that they wish that they had. Jealousy is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I'm here to tell you, it has no place in the church. When you feel that old spirit of jealousy begin to creep up on your shoulder and whisper in your ear, you need to rebuke that thing and say, Lord, thank you for blessing my brother. Lord, thank you for blessing my sister. Thank you for your goodness to your people. You're a good and you're a faithful God. You've never left us nor forsaken us. He's good And he's faithful to his people. The second spirit that Paul addresses was boasting. Does anyone here know anyone who boasts? Don't lie. I know you all already are thinking of somebody. Don't lie to me. It's the truth. There's nothing worse than somebody who's constantly boasting. Boasting about their abilities and boasting about how good they are at something. And if you talk to them long enough, it will evolve into how they're better than you are at that thing. Whatever it might be. Boasting will absolutely cause division. And there's no room for it in the church. We're not here to sing our praises. We're here to sing his praises. I'll say that one more time. We're not here to sing our praises. We're here to sing his praises. We've got to cast down that boastful spirit and pray, Lord, when people see me, let them see you. When people hear me, let them hear you. When people interact with me, let them have an interaction with you. Lord, let them see you through me. For I am nothing without you. I'm thankful for the talents that you've blessed me with. And I'm thankful for the abilities that you've given to me. But I'm nothing without your grace. And I'm nothing without your mercy. And I'm nothing without your hand in my life. The third spirit and attitude that Paul addresses was quarreling. Quarreling is present in almost every single group of people. If people are together long enough, you can rest assured there will instinctively be quarreling. It's just simply in our human nature to fight and to quarrel with one another if left alone long enough. We butt heads. We have disagreements. We think differently. We see things differently. We have different opinions, and we want to do things differently than, than one another. And, and we will instinctively choose sides. 
I'm here to tell you there should never be different sides within the church. There should never, ever be different sides within the church. There's only one side, and that's the Lord's side. Lord, I want to be on your side. Lord, I want to be on your side. We need to all be in one mind and in one accord. All three of these ungodly attitudes that spark division, jealousy, boasting, and quarreling, they all stem from one thing. An inflated view of our own importance. An inflated view. All three of these spirits all stem from one thing. An inflated view of our own importance. By exhibiting jealousy, we are stating that we are deserving of the blessings that others have been given. By boasting, we are taking credit for the abilities that God has given us. This is why the Bible has to remind us in Psalms 100 that it is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. And and, and by quarreling, we are showing that we believe ourselves to be right in our own eyes. All three of these ungodly attitudes stem from an overinflated view of our own importance. We as humans, we're, we're just naturally self-centered. We naturally but, but incorrectly view ourselves as more important than we really are. And I'm not saying that to put everybody down. Everybody here is special. Everybody here is here for a reason. Everybody here is very, very important in the eyes of God. But I'm here to tell you we cannot have an overinflated view of our own importance. We are all capable of being vessels and being used of God. But I am simply stressing the fact that we are totally and completely dependent on the God that we serve. We are totally and completely dependent on God. We are nothing without him, for it is he. I said it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are not a self-made people. It is God that has given us our talents, and it is God who has given us our abilities, and it is God who has given us the thought process that we have, and it is God who has given us the blessings that we possess. You like the clothes that I wear? Well, thank you. God gave them to me. You like the car that I drive? Thank you very much. God gave it to me. You like the home that I live in? Well, praise the Lord. God gave it to me. You admire the family that I have. God gave it to me. You admire anything that I have. God gave it to me. God gave it to me. Everything that I am, everything that I have, God gave it to me. <laughs> Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father. And without him, we are nothing. Nothing but an old bag of bones. We are nothing without him. We are nothing without him. Perhaps the biggest danger of having an inflated view of our own importance is that we start to think that we're more important than our brothers and our sisters in Christ. 
Hear me tonight, child of God. That is a demonic spirit of division. That is, there's no way around it. That is a demonic spirit of division. We all serve the same God. We were all bought with the same blood. And we've all been filled with the same spirit. And we've all been baptized in the same only saving name. And we've all been made a part of the same one body. And every member of that body is vitally important. And every member of that body is important and vital. And every member of this body serves a purpose. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or we be free, I and have been all made to drink into one spirit for the body is not one member but many if the foot shall say because I am not the hand I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body and if the ear shall say because I am not the eye I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing if the whole were hearing where were the smelling but now hath God set the members every Every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, so much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have become more abundant comeliness for comely parts have no need but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another and whether one member suffer all the members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular I'm here to remind somebody tonight that every member of this body is important don't you dare look at your brother or your sister and deem their ministry or their bodily function as being less important than your own every part of this this body is important. Every part of this body is necessary. And it serves a special, specific, divinely ordained purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in order, in order for the body to be effective, every member... I'll say that one more time. Every single member has to do their part. There can't be different agendas within the body. 
There can't be rogue body parts just, just operating independently of the body. Can you imagine the chaos that would ensue if you woke up tomorrow and every part of your body was just doing its own thing? Nobody on the same page. Nobody got the same memo. Every single body part's just doing whatever it wants to do. What if you woke up tomorrow and your foot said, you know what? I'm tired of this walking business. I'm tired of wearing socks and shoes. I'm going to brush the teeth today. Praise God. What if your nose said, you know what, I'm really getting tired of this smelling thing. I just don't think it's for me. I think it's time I do some eating. I know it sounds silly, but the members of of the body cannot have different agendas. They cannot have different plans. They cannot have little side gigs because we do not operate independently of one another. We as the body of Jesus Christ work together as one as he is one it's time it is time that we stop being divided by petty things that have no weight or importance it's time we simply get over ourselves and our own wants and our own thoughts And we start working together as the body of Christ. Are we always going to see eye to eye? No, probably not. Are we always going to have the exact same thoughts? No, no, probably not. Are we always going to think the exact same as one another? Nope, nope. Probably not. But when we die out to the flesh every single day, when we put ourselves on the back burner and we start to think about ourselves less and we begin to think about him more, our perspective begins to change and our perspective begins to shift. And it's no longer about, well, is this what's best for me? It's about what is best for the body. It's no longer how does this affect me and what I want and what I have planned. It's how about how does this affect my brother and my sister? How does this affect the body of Christ? It's time that we get over our petty disagreements. It is time that we get over our small differences. It is time that we get over our past hurts because we are all a part of the same body and we should all have the same goal and that's to make it to heaven and to take as many people with us as we can (laughs) we're all in this thing together we're all going to the same place that's that's the goal that's the goal to make it to heaven and to take as many people with us as we can but if we're not careful musicians can go ahead and come I'm not going to preach much longer this evening but if we are not careful we will find ourselves in the same position as those Russian and German soldiers did in 1917 if the church is so busy fighting one another if the church is so busily busy quarreling with each other, bickering and fighting and and wrestling over insignificant things that have no eternal merit. If we become so distracted fighting one another, 
if we allow petty things to steal our focus and our time, we won't see. We'll be completely caught off guard when we realize that the real enemy has been surrounding us the entire time. If we get so distracted fighting and quarreling with other members of the body, we won't even notice that the enemy has crept up on us and is ready to pounce on the weakest member of the body. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, it's time we put our differences aside. And we need to take our brother and our sister by the hand and say, I know we've had some disagreements in the past. I know we've had some knockdown drag outs. I know we may have differences. I know we may not see eye to eye on everything, but there are some wolves surrounding my family. And there are some wolves surrounding my friends. And there are some wolves surrounding my youth group. And, and I can't defeat them by myself. So here, brother, here, sister, why don't you take me by the hand and let's be the body of Christ. Let's be the church and let's drive out the enemy together. I'm telling you, Satan's greatest fear is that one day the church will wake up and realize how powerful they are. That's his greatest fear. He doesn't care if you come to church on Sunday and pay your tithes and keep your hands in your pocket and you're a good little Christian. He doesn't care one bit what he's afraid of is that one day the church will wake up and they'll realize how powerful they are as the body of Christ. Could we stand to our feet this evening? And I wonder if, if it's appropriate if you could grab the hand of your neighbor, come down to this, the front of this church. There is an enemy out there seeking whom he may devour. And the church has got to be unified. The church has got to be the church. Every member has to be in line. Every member has to do their part. Every member has to be in place. God put you here for a reason. You're not here by accident. He's put you here for a reason. And he's put you here for a purpose. And he's going to do great things through Tree of Life. But it's not going to be with a little group here and a little group there and a few people over there. No, it's going to be as one body. It's going to be as one church serving one God with one mission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find us together, Lord.